Okay. Oh, I'm gonna do okay. it. Wait, I'm gonna do this shit here. I'm so excited. Do this shit here. Okay. Coming to America. <laughs> well, what is it? Oh, say, can you see? I'm coming to America. Coming to America. The best hook. Hey, can you see? All right. Watching Eddie Murphy coming to America. <laughs> I did not move my ass because I just realized that, like, I got squeaky chair. I wonder oh, if anyone squeaky can hear chair. That. No squeaky chair. I'm Amy Rivers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend, Sasha Chambers, reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us. Whether the ideas they cooked up fed us, nourished our bodies and minds, or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries. Sasha and I don't have any real cred as critics, but we do have a genuine love of movies, as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 25 years. Indeed it does. Thanks for introducing me as Sasha Chambers. I realize every time I do it, I just introduce you as Amy, like you're a cocktail waitress. You actually <laughs> gave me a lot, of, a lot of respect there. I have, to, I have to serve you that in return. I apologize. So how, how pumped are we? How pumped are we? That Trump is no longer going to be our president. That Trump is no longer going to be really? our president. Oh my God. Extremely. Extremely. Oh, wow. And so with that, what we wanted to do a movie that was kind of political, but funny and not over the top political because we've just had too much of it. And so we have chosen, we have chosen so wisely Coming to America. Say, can you see? I'm coming to America. I would yeah. say that it's not so much about being political, this film. It's just this film is like, I love America again. And this is one of the greatest things that ever came out of America. Honestly. America. I've always known this film. Like, I don't remember when it came out, but I saw it. 88. 88. So I didn't see it. We were 10 years old. Okay. So I didn't see it in the theater, but I've seen this movie about a thousand times. And mind you, I've watched it not so long ago as well, because this is a movie that is like, you can watch it a zillion times and just gets funnier every time you see it. And can I say, even in this watch, there yep. were new things that I noticed yep. that I'd never noticed before. Oh, so much, so much. And I did not, I did not ever as a child register a whole lot of those lines, especially like the one from, from the Reverend, he helped Gilligan get off the island. Oh I don't God. think I ever registered that line before this watch. <laughs> and I just about- Yelled Gilligan, get off get the off. island. Oh no, he helped Gilligan get off the island. Because every word ends in UH. I love it. I love it. No. Um, so 
you don't think we have to do this, but I think we have to say that we're going to change our format slightly. Maybe we'll edit uh-huh. this out. But I, mean, I, I feel re- like I feel like our people roll with it. I feel like they're flexible. Yeah. They our people are really know. good people. Really good people. You guys listen to you know that y'all. We have just broken five hundred downloads. So thank you so much for that. Oh, ta 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 ta. That's super exciting. I went back and listened to some of our our original episodes, our first episodes, and and could hear myself making jokes about the all of the fictitious people that were going to be listening to us. But you're not fake. You're out there and you like us. You really, really like us. And we really, really like you for that. Oh, man. That's very true. Thank you, listeners. That's a listener appreciation moment. And if you voted for Biden, I thank you again. Thank you extra. And if you live in Georgia, we really, really love you. And we're really, really rooting for you. And we'd move to Georgia and vote with you if we could. I've got hearts over my eyeballs for Georgia. Not only um, is this our podcast about how happy we are Americans, but it's our first predominantly Black film. Oh, God, yes. Thank you for that. We have now gone through 10 films and seen probably all of four Black faces. And I was getting to the point where if we didn't see some brown people soon, I was really going to lose my mind. And after that thing in Fright Night, that was it. We, We needed a Black film. And well, yeah, it's like even the films that we did, there, if there was a, a Black person in the film, like none of them were actual stars of the film or even co-stars. It was like literally maybe yeah, the bit, a walk-on. Yeah, a stock walk-on, a stock extra, um, a very stere- stereotypical kind of role or something. And just, yeah. you know, no thanks. I'd like to actually see some Black people represented on screen. And Eddie Murphy did not disappoint us in delivering what we have come to realize is not only one of the greatest comedies from the 80s. Incidentally, it actually, in the top 100 films from the 80s, Coming to America ranks 26th, despite the fact, despite the fact that they thought that it was going to tank and weren't even sure if they should release it. It like outdid, yeah, it outdid Beetlejuice for for box office. Like it it crushed it. It crushed it because it's fucking brilliant and hilarious, and as we've come to discover, the first movie that we're going to review that has almost, literally it has one, one issue that I can find in it, but it is overall not problematic at all. Yep. In fact, it is the inverse of all the problems that we have found with 80s movies so far. And I think that was the difference on this watch. Like, I've always loved this movie. And in fact, when I was watching it, I was like, with my pen, waiting for a moment that I'd be like, oops, Eddie. Eddie, Eddie, do not do that, Eddie. No, it was like, Eddie, do that again. Eddie, who knew? Eddie, you're the man. Eddie, you're a progressive motherfucker. Like you are, you did a lot of good shit, you know? I want to know, what, what, what was the IMDb on this? Did they even oh, like- Oh shit, I didn't, you know, I was talking about how we might need to stop doing the IMDb and maybe start doing the Amazon one because IMDb is- The IMDb's are pretty, pretty disappointing. I mean, it, it, sometimes it's funny. Maybe and sometimes it, it's worth it for, for a laugh. Oh my God, it just said something about coming to America too, 2020. Yes, unfortunately, that is a true story. Ooh, we're we'll not going to talk later. about that right yeah, now. Let's, yeah, let's just not talk about it. I don't want to know about that at all. I don't want to know. It might be good because I'll tell you, Eddie Murphy 
just to have a moment before we read this, like I love me some Eddie Murphy. Now in the eighties, Eddie Murphy. And then, and then I know there was like a moment of like daddy daycare. I get it. Yeah. And like, and like the, what's the one where he was. He went full Tom Hanks. And the fat suit. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, anything with a fat suit. I don't Pranks. like it. I, I don't remember yeah, what yeah. it was called. There was the whole Dr. Doolittle thing. Dr. Doolittle, yes. Yeah. yeah. But then, was it My Name is Dolomite? Did you see that? Yes, I did. It's brilliant. And he should have won an Academy Award for it. That's my opinion. I thought it was No, it was, that amazing. Was, it was amazing. It was absolutely and, amazing. It was like, oh my God, thank you. We got Eddie Murphy back. And it, but it was more than that. It was like a, like a, a, an accumulation of like his whole career, like was to that moment of like. It was funny, Eddie Murphy. It was sentimental, Eddie Murphy. It was all of all the parts of Eddie Murphy that we've come to know and love and appreciate in different ways at different times all together in one film. Um, Okay. So here's, here's our IMDb. An extremely pampered African prince travels to Queens, New York and goes undercover to find a wife that he can respect for her intelligence and will. Damn, that's actually kind of close. They they did pretty solid there, actually. That's actually pretty close. I'm sorry for all the bad things I said about you, IMDb. Well, I think they've nailed it a couple (laughs) times. Most of the time they, they, they completely botch it, but this time they nailed it. Okay, so yeah, IMDb, nailing it. 1988, we've got Coming to America, directed by John Landis, starring Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall, pre the Arsenio Hall show. I don't remember um, any main... Sherry Headley. Sherry Headley plays Lisa. Yeah, yeah, but, but I'm not really sure how much of her career I know. James... Um, James Earl Jones, of course. Earl Jones is the, other, yeah. is the other main actor that you've heard of in this film and louis anderson yeah who's um and some cameo and some brilliant cameo appearances by samuel l jackson and cuba gooding jr's very first on-screen appearance in a major film so So, yeah of all the people in this film the only one with an academy award has zero lines and is just sitting (laughs) in the barber shop chair that's hilarious what's hilarious is the part when he's sitting there and eddie murphy is cutting his hair and he's actually not cutting it he's just nipping his his yeah (laughs) above his head just air cutting around it and he's just like the biggest goofiest smile on his face all right so oh my days oh my days let's get into it so we we cannot go through this whole film and just say like this funny moment this funny moment this funny moment because that's all this would be because it's constantly funny and to that point i have to say that like as a comedy this is probably one of those foundation comedy films for me because i did see it at a very young age i i must have seen it uh, like at least when it came out maybe not in the theaters but definitely when it you know it came on HBO. That's probably when I saw, you know, and I was thinking about it. It's probably when I saw all these films, when they like hit HBO, that's when I was watching all of these films that we are talking about because we had cable. So we, that's probably when I got to see everything. Oh no, Um, I for sure saw this in the theater because it was a black movie. And I know that on a weekend with my cousins, we went and saw Coming to America and we probably saw it two or three more times that weekend because it was black 
as fuck. And so there was no way that we were not going to go see that movie. <laughs> I knew all those jokes at the age, but like the next day I could repeat all of those jokes back. There was no, we're not going to show this to the, this, this movie to these kids because it's like maybe a little too old for them and over their head. It was like, nope, this is a movie with like basically all black people. We are going to go see this just like you can watch Purple Rain because Prince, Prince is black God. So you can watch that and it's fine. But yeah, it's, but I think this was probably one of my foundation comedy films. Like this is one of the movies that defined what was funny for me. Well, this is you one of those do, movies do that continued to define future comedies that were made. I mean, all of this, this the whole thing, first of all, with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall playing about like four different characters a piece then laid the path for all of these other movies where other comedians and actors pulled the same stunt. Um, it did unfortunately lay the path for the terrible Tyler Perry Medea series, but you know, to each their own, lots of people enjoy those movies and those wouldn't have been made if Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall hadn't really rolled out the red carpet for, hey, if you can afford Rick Baker and you're a good enough character actor, you can basically star and support an entire film all on your own. And every single one of those characters that they played was a fully developed, completely embodied character. And not, not a caricature, actual real representations of, I've met those men in those barbershops. I have met that <laughs> reverend. I have a cousin that has a band that is not far off from sexual chocolate, I'm sure. Like all of these people are so real and they just really nailed it. Probably better than any other comedian or actor has since then. I don't, I mean, I don't think anyone else has ever actually touched the, the level of authenticity and uh, perfection that those two really nailed in this film with all, every single one of those characters that they played. I mean, it's, and that's the amazing part, like such good actors. And I guess, and that's, again, you know, you, you rewatch this and you're like, oh my God, Eddie Murphy is great as a keem. He's great. Like as a keem, I could watch Eddie Murphy, like you, at the end of this, we were supposed to talk about our favorite things about this movie. His smile, just every time he smiles, like that's the punch He's adorable. Like, all you need. He's adorable. And this was actually his first time playing a romantic lead. And I'm sorry, I thought he was, he nailed it. I, I, nailed I, it. I was Twitter pated for Eddie Murphy. I would totally would have been happy to go. It. I have a date with Sasha. Isn't that wonderful? I'd be, I'd be thrilled to hear that. I'd oh be my thrilled God. to hear that. So just to jump around, like that's one of the things that I love too about this movie that like there's these tiny moments, there's two tiny moments. And that's one of them when he says, I have a date with Lisa. And it's just two little girls sitting on a stump looking at him. Yeah. They smile at each other. And I'm like, I was like, why did they adorable. keep that moment in this movie? And thank God they did. Like, it's so sweet. And they just look at him with their little eyes. And he's, that's like goofy, naive grin that he has. Yeah. He does it throughout the whole film and it's just the best thing ever. And of course, the yeah, there's layers, there's nuance, there's different levels of engagement that you can have with this movie. And it's just, it's perfect. I love it's it. Absolutely perfect. Speaking of small moments. So John Landis directed this, right? And interestingly enough, I, the first time we watched, I watched through it. I didn't actually clock that John Landis was the director, but I was immediately struck by in that whole opening sequence when they're going to wake 
Prince Akeem up, which is amazing. And if I was crazy rich as fuck, I would have people wake me up in the exact same way. But the whole way that it leads up to him being woken up with homie, um, like opening that little like pocket door where it's got like the nine level stereo system to, you know, sync up all the sounds and everything. And then the orchestra comes in and it's all very quiet. It's all very, very quiet. And there's a lot of just focus of him looking at his watch. Like, Clue. Clue had a whole bunch of these very quiet moments. I'm, I'm winding a clock. I'm doing these little things. And I was like, oh, this feels really, really, really familiar. And then it came full circle with the John Landis. And I just figured out another one at the, towards the tail end when the king and the queen show up and they come to the McDowell's home. And there's all this like dun, 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 running around back and forth. And the dog is looking side to side. I was like, oh, this is, this is like the one plus one plus one plus two sequence and, and actually the and music is the same it, the, the do, 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 yes do, do. it's practically the same and then also too i just dawned on me professor plum colonel mustard miss scarlet that's why probably these actors are like lisa's only gonna wear the color red and her sister's only gonna wear the color yellow and in this scene she's only gonna wear the color pink i think this is a john landis thing um it's so you know so that that was that was interesting to me once i once i picked up on all of that but i also really love so this movie is super black and rick baker did a really really good job with all of the effects makeup what is really hilarious though is the way that i think their regular makeup artists were still kind of struggling to do proper makeup for black folks in film because i don't know if you realized how much blush and what looks like a lot of cherry chapstick both arsenio and eddie murphy were waking were wearing like when they wake him up i'm like dude you're so rosy in them cheeks and lips like so much cherry chapstick <laughs> they, they wanted to so bring rosy his, his inner glow out so glow. Um, I don't know, Sasha, if if you could say that um, uh, the color coded was based on Clue, but I think you've got a really good Reddit article to write. <laughs> like, I could I could get a lot of nerds up on I that for sure, get, for sure. And then of course, a conspiracy on that one. Oh, conspiracy! The theory, the color theory behind coming to America and Clue. So, well, you know, I, then, I have to say that my favorite part of that though is when. Um, John Amos, that's another actor who's in it, who plays, of course, Lisa's father, McDowell, who, of course, is the owner of, um, you know, McDowell's. McDowell's. It, ne it never occurred to me, too, as a kid, how much, like, it didn't dawn on me that there was actual, that that was industrial espionage. In my mind, as a kid, I remember thinking that this was like, McDonald's was trying to, like, put one down on the black man trying to like get himself up and then i was like oh no he actually is an industrial spy trying yeah. to fucking rip off mcdonald's that's, that's for real what is joke. going on <laughs> that actually is what's happening yeah that's the whole joke sash no no as a kid i totally took his word for it i was like the golden arcs are different than the golden arches and his okay. buns don't have seeds Leave him alone. That's I the funniest that part, joke. Dude. I totally miss that one. Uh, um, and that's like the funniest joke. They've got sesame seeds. My buns don't have seeds. <laughs> the yeah. whole movie, the whole movie just makes you close your eyes and take deep breaths in hyperventilating laughter. That's it. Um, no, or, or gasp with actual beauty because oh, the production yeah. design, the production design is off the chain. So first of all, I am like blown away by how they managed to in the set design of the palace in Zamunda 
basically recreate all of the like idyllic scenes of what Africa would look like from an 80s perspective, which of course has to involve a whole lot of pastel colors. So that's what the set is. It's like stepping into one of those paintings that would be at anybody's black auntie's house of Africa. There's going to be some zebras, there's going to be some giraffes, and it's going to be pastel pinks and lots of florals and all of the prints are going to be on the people in, in, the, um, in the paintings the production design is off the chain. Not to mention the fact that like, what are we talking about where Zamunda is concerned? Zamunda is an idyllic African country that is rich and prosperous and ostensibly untouched by colonialism, untouched by war. We don't, there is no downtrodden people. It is just rich as fuck and beautiful. And when we get to the scene, where um it's so we realize that it's it's um it's his birthday right he's woken up because it's his 21st birthday even though he's 37 years old even though he's right? yeah he's exactly 37 <laughs> years old all we get to see all of the pampering routines that uh that prince akeem goes through one of which which i thought was amazing was when he does the thing with the bathers right he's in the bath and he's got like the naked ladies and the cleopatra everything in any other circumstance i would be really like offended by the appropriation of Cleopatra just like randomly stuck on black women and then they're like they have to be like half naked and everything yeah. but like it's such an over-the-top amalgamation of all things African continental that it boomerangs back on itself and becomes a celebration and of course it only can be that because Eddie Murphy is involved if John Landis chose to do this on his own it would be racist as fuck but it's not that it's well, not I mean, that at all. It's all things African blown up in one great, big, huge, beautiful display. I mean, that's the question. The question is, is it like racist in its depictions? Because there is, you know, there is moments where literally elephants are running outside. And then, you know, when he goes outside to talk to his dad, there's two giraffes in the corner hanging out with each other. But in in one way, I just think it's hyperbole to make a point. You know what I mean? Like there, that's the whole thing. That the extreme is funny in this case, but I do agree with you. I think that it it's so extreme that it becomes funny, but ultimately it really is just a celebration of Africa. It's a celebration of blackness, and I mean that dance that Paul Abdul. Oh. Never seen so many toned thighs in one room. I swear to God. I know. And you know, my, my mother who watched it with me, she was like, is that just actual real African dancing? Or is this them like the idea of what we think it is? You know what I mean? Like, was she, she yeah. like, is being stereotypical? And I was like, no, I think, you know, from what I know about African dance, that's pretty much legit. You know I mean? I think there's, there's probably aspects of choreography from about five different cultures. Just like in that room, there are aspects of, of five different, 17 different, maybe 20 different cultures and tribes represented in the prints that they're wearing, the way that they're wrapping their headdresses, um, the manner in which that dance was choreographed. I think it, it's, it's quite literally the continent of Africa and possibly every island right. represented in that one party, which makes it so exciting because Zamunda yeah. then is the original Wakanda. It's the original like promised land of Africa where there is no crime, there is no slavery conversation, there is no war, there is none of that. It's just a beautiful 
idyllic paradise of blackness, which is super exciting. So just to take a minute, just, just so we can throw the plot out here. So homeboy Akeem, played by Eddie Murphy, is a pampered prince of African country called Zamunda. On his 21st birthday, he is to meet his wife-to-be. He's super nervous about it because he really isn't sure that he wants some woman that he's never met before be his wife. And he really wants a woman who has intelligence and her own sense of being. That's his desire. So after he does meet his wife-to-be, he decides that he is going to go find his own wife, um, his own choice. And he decides to go to America. Where in America will you find a wife? He decides between Los Angeles and New York, ends up in New York. And of course, where do you find a beautiful wife? Queens. Um, which is hilarious. Like, like, perfect. I always thought that was funny for some reason. It's just, it's not even funny, that funny, but I always thought it was funny. And then, of course, it's the antics once he gets there because he's trying to pretend that he is just a poor African student. Former goat herder. And, of course, he meets a woman and they fall in love. Um, and, and it's antic, antics, antics. To, to, you know, it's a prince and the pauper. That's what the whole mm-hmm. film is about. So my question, though, to Sasha is, is this possibly a progressive feminist movie? It's quite definitely a progressive feminist movie. Right? Quite definitely. From the get-go, the minute he starts talking about this, you're just like, but, 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 sorry, what did you say? Like, first of all, he's in this tub surrounded by half-naked women, and he's somewhat unfazed by this. I will say about that scene, your Highness, the royal penis is clean. Is is probably one of the was like an awesome, <laughs> like an awesome, it's funny. hilarious you know, moment. But it's funny. but it's not hypersexualized, and he's not treating them in any kind of way that is degrading at all. Yes, and there there is one point where him and his father go like, you know, he he says, "I'm tired of the the pampering and this and that, and you know, the rose petals. Oh my God, the rose petals. I'm tired of yeah. the rose petals, and I'm tired of you know not being able to to wipe my own backside and the bathing." And he's like, "Well, I kind of like the bathing. Like there is those jokes, yeah. However, yeah, but it's still not gross. It's not and- gross or skeevy the way a lot of other things in '80s movies come across as really gross and skeevy and misogynistic. It's not oh, yeah. that." Oh, at not all. at all because it's counterbalanced immediately by what his actual drive is where he wants to meet a woman that he loves and respects and not only that but when he's in his scene with um that's that stimulates his mind as well as his loins yes he says things like that but it goes beyond this it goes even beyond this because when he does meet lisa like she actually is that She's not a caricature. Like she actually is a woman. She's self-possessed and intelligent. And yes, she happens to be beautiful, but she's all of those things that he's actually looking for. It's not like he just falls for a pretty face. I'll have a quick question though. So we, we come to understand his true feeling about this while he is working out with his best friend, Semi, who is played by Arsenio Hall. I have a question though. Do you think it was edited out or is it just that Semi is mildly annoying? Why do the king and queen hate him so much? Like as soon as he shows up and is like, yay, it's the, it's the prince's birthday and we're going to apparently go in our riding gear to the dojo. They rode in their riding gear to the dojo. Yeah, because I don't know they're if gonna... you caught that. They went from riding gear 
to a dojo. But they, they went um, was, on elephants to Ah, uh, they the rode elephants to the dojo. So he comes to get him and the queen is immediately like, don't you have somewhere to be? Like they hate him and I'm not sure why. Well, because he's he's a he's an ass kisser and he's to you know to offset Akeem is naive and idealistic and he is money hungry and spoiled and lusty. And, right and all and, of that and stuff. Is, right. You know, he's like when when Eddie Murphy buys a five hundred thousand dollar earrings in nineteen eighty eight, how much would they be today? Oh, like two or three million. That's funny. I totally price is right that part. When she opens them, I was like, oh, those had to cost at least $400,000. And then they were like, 500,000. And I was like, oh, wow. I wouldn't have gotten kicked off the show. Yeah. Two, two or three million. Anyway, like he's like, just tell her that you bought them and she'll swoon and we'll go. Like he's, he's the shallow person. Materialistic one. But just on, on the issue of it being a feminist movie, I think it's even more than that. Like ultimately at the very end of the film, like his mother tells King Joffrey twice. Like she tells a king, the queen tells the king, like, yo, don't talk, because the king says something horrible to Lisa's father, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, my daughter, my son's too good for your daughter. You know, he never- she's like, you better apologize right now. That is uncool. Yeah, you apologize to that man. And he's like, I will not, he is beneath me. And it's like, she, she's yeah. not happy with it. Yeah. And then she's like, put a sock in it. He's in love. Like she, like even she's, she yeah, stands she, up yeah, to the she, king. Yeah. She, she owns it. She owns her time. She owns her space. She's not going to be told anything. She's, she's not a queen to be. <laughs> she was maybe, but she ain't no more. But yeah. You know? I mean, that's the thing. The first woman that he meets, it, it, it is, it, the joke is, is she's, as you anything you wish or what's what's her line whatever, whatever you, you wish, like whatever you like whatever you like whatever you like whatever you like yeah so so okay so he goes to the dojo he goes to the dojo with homie and they're working out and and semi's like you only need a beautiful woman you only need her to have a, like a beautiful face and and tits like cassava melons and for her to do whatever to to, to obey your every command and he's like a dog is to co- obey Ugh. You should love and respect the person that you're with and want to hear their feelings and their thoughts on things. And I was like, what is happening in this movie? Oh my God. I never and then there's the whole, that whole crazy backflip sequence when he was like, no, it is tradition that you just have a queen who, who, who follows your words and follows your commands. And then he said, and it's also tradition that, that things can change. And, and I'm like, whoa, Eddie Murphy. Hello. He says that throughout the whole movie, he's saying shit like that. Like throughout the whole movie, and that I did not remember from being a child at all. That's not at part. all. So I hit all those like Sasha. I knew that McDonald's, the whole joke with the McDonald's. I cannot believe that you did not know that. But the fact that you didn't, I, the reason you didn't, is really crazy at the same time. But um, <laughs> this is the thing that when I rewatched, I was like, I can't believe that you know, in all these movies from the eighties that we've been watching and that that i can think of i can't think none of have one. held up women like this none. yeah i can't think of one that has been like i want a woman who has a brain like or that has it's more than a brain it's that has her own will that i can talk to that i can respect that is and, and i her. and i think more of women and more of myself and more of these times than that it's just mind blown mind, mind completely mind. blown yeah and, and then, then of course we meet her 
right? We go to his birthday ceremony and we, and we get to meet her after this fantastic, crazy display of all things African. Um, comes this woman down the aisle in this incredible gold, like, Barbie doll gown, um, Miss America Barbie doll gown with a train that lasts for like 19 days behind her and, and the most unfortunate makeup choices. Like she really is dressed like prom Barbie, Miss America Barbie with yeah. orange eyeshadow, gold eyeshadow, orange blush and orange lipstick. And I made all of those wrong choices when I was in junior high school because <laughs> orange was of course the only color that a black woman's supposed to wear on her face. And this is actually the only, this is the only problematic thing I have with the film. And it runs deeper than the 80s. It runs as deep as white supremacy, and that is colorism. It's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate that both his intended bride-to-be, as well as Lisa's sister, who was the other woman that was interested in him that he had no interest in, interest in excuse me, had to be like seven shades darker than the woman that he ends up with. Ooh, that's what you mean. That's a real fucking bummer that that had to be in place. But, you know, like I said, it runs deeper than the 80s. It runs as deep as white supremacy. And that shit is is, is on its way out, thankfully. But the song that they sing... Why can't, why am I, why am I blanking the character's name? But, you know, homie friend who's basically... Oha. 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 The song that Oha sings as she enters the room... She's your queen to be, a queen to be forever. A vision of perfection. Do whatever. Without any intersection. Because she's your queen to be. A vision of perfection, an object of affection to quench your royal fire. Completely free from infection to be used at your discretion, to be used at your discretion waiting only for your direction your queen to be okay like the lyrics couldn't be more on the nose about what's so offensive about this idea of an arranged marriage and a woman being used basically as a piece of cattle as a transactional piece of cattle it's as it's as grotesque as it is funny that again boomeranging back on itself well yeah i mean that's the thing it's it's making fun of it and it's horrible but that's what's trying to say that's the joke is yeah. that this is horrible. Like the idea of having a woman who does everything that you say and obeys your every command, you know, they push it out really far, hyperbolic to show how fucking ridiculous it is. And, and, um, and they totally succeed. Like, I guess yeah. the thing, I just did not ever clock this part. I just thought it was funny. You know, she barks like a little dog and then she barks like a big dog. dog. And, 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 and and it's just hilarious. And all of her fucking hair was just like, like, Oh my God. All of that crazy Barbie doll weave hair. So I always thought it was always just so funny. And it's not until this watch where I was like, wow, this is actually not only a celebration of blackness, but also a celebration of women. Um, Feminism. And it was so refreshing too, that scene in the dojo. It was really nice to see two men just have nice, normal, like healthy man bodies. Like the Um, flat chestedness of them, that they didn't have pecs that were bigger than a double D, that they didn't have biceps that were bigger than my thighs, was actually just refreshing to just see two normal, healthy male bodies that hadn't had to be 
have that look of being pumped up on steroids. You would never, ever, ever see a male romantic lead today not have massive biceps or pecs. It's just unheard of. You can't just be a, a, like a normal man body. I was, I was astounded. I was astounded by the flatness of their chest and the tininess of their nipples. And can we just say how, how super lady sexy Semi looked in his little crop top? 1980s crop top. I loved it. I mean, the whole, the whole, I was living for that scene. I was like, you guys are doing it. You guys are really doing it. And it also has the great dialogue in it, which which is like, I'm going to wipe you down like, you know, baboon spit. Oh, 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 the sweat from a baboon's balls was, was an insult that got used so many times in junior high. You would have sweat from a baboon's balls. I mean, rhinoceros pizzle. He really just had a lot of really good, of course, because I'm African, I'm going to associate everything. Hippopotamus shit. Like everything. Yeah. All things African at all times right i also love i also loved of course that he's got to like infuse the for real blackness blackness there like at his own birthday party at prince akeem's birthday party of course there is a brother flogging bootleg prince akeem birthday t-shirts come on now come on now oh my days and the queen's dress during this scene by the way was also absolutely gorgeous like i said i think that see i think the set design was brilliant but i also think it was a bunch of styrofoam like and put together oh oh yes especially yes i think i think that um oh god what was that other movie um that has america in the title but it was all the little puppets and it was super mad offensive i feel like america team america yes i I I think that they they took a cue from coming to america and building the set they're like well we can do this and then they made stuff out of like reese's pieces cups and stuff and it was amazing but but But, i think all the money went to like the clothes and the earrings of of lisa and patrice oh my god and of course they're like king king joffe looks like the king of cartoon land with that crown though like for real it's literally like like they've stuck um like pieces, like found pieces at Michael's. They of got everything. Oh, yes, of uh, all the things at Michael's. It's like coral on there. Coral. All kinds of, I was like, what? He's the king of cartoon land. That's exactly yeah. what he looks like. And you're asking almost see the kind of hot glue gun around each piece. Oh my God. You know? yep. I mean, but the thing is, the illusion's great. You know, it's not that you're, it's sticking out like a sore thumb. It's just brilliant the way that they put it together. You know, Lisa, she is, she's interesting too. Now, you know, they, this is a problem that a lot of movies do where it's like, you've got a girl who's pretty cool and she's on the level, but then she's dating a complete fucking complete asshole. Dude. And you're like, why? This is a trope, why? This is a trope that happens. Yeah, it's I don't know why. And of course she needs rescuing from herself and from this guy in some way a little bit, but they didn't really go there in that. But that's the 80s trope. No, she, 80s trope. I don't it's think like, she like needs- A girl that can't like get away from a bad guy. I don't think she, that's true though, because what happens is he- No, not for know, her. I'm talking about the general 80s oh, trope. Sorry. Yeah. My apologies, Sasha. No, 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 you're fine. Sometimes but, but, I think yeah. you just don't listen to me, Amy. <laughs> you just don't pay attention. Fuck. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that Lisa kind of breaks that because, you know, she is with this dude, like mm-hmm. Eric LaSalle, by the way, whose outfits mm-hmm. are just like the sweater- outfits that what he the wears. hell was that fucking cashmere poncho he wore to the basketball game what the fuck was that thing it was like- that was that was the antithesis of jer bear's trench coat from fright night that was like i would live in that trench coat 
and I would fucking burn my enemies in that poncho that homeboy wore to the basketball game. And why has so he got horrible. his poncho on inside, like the game's almost... Because he's the worst. Done. Because he's the worst. Because he obviously needs something to sop up his Jerry Curl juice. He can't, he maybe has been spoken to already about fucking up their box seats. No, but it, there's a later when he when the, so the scene that I was going to talk about was when when there um, he announces his engagement to Lisa, and he's wearing mm-hmm. this purple blue mohair kind of suit jacket, but it's fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's perfect clothing for a sleaze bag. You know what I mean? And he has a complete yeah. sleaze bag. But so at this point when he announces it. Lisa is just like, no, you didn't. And then she she's takes him out mm-hmm. and she's like, I can't believe you did that. Next time but, you and my, your, my father want to plan my life. You can, you know, tell me about it first. And then she's just like, don't touch me. And it's done. Like, you know what yep. I mean? It's, it's kind of like as much as there's not like, she's still with him and she doesn't know. And she just says, you know, I just think people expected me to be with them. And maybe I just didn't think about that part of my life too much like she he qualifies it like she immediately breaks up with him at the, yeah. that moment you know yeah and she breaks up with him before she starts messing around with Akeem which is yeah, a big she's thing not sleazy she's not skeevy she's not she's completely self-possessed and in control of what she wants to do similarly though her sister her sister's name is Patrice right like I'm so bad at character name these days okay so yeah. her sister Patrice like she's a little flibberty gibbet and kind of like annoying, but also she's just, she wants what she wants. She's, she has a certain sexuality about her and a certain level of desire. And if she thinks a guy is attractive, she's going to go after it and there's nothing wrong with it. But she also is not a hoe. She's not skeevy. She's not sleazy. She's just doing her own thing. And I love it. I love it. I, I love, this is what I love about Patrice. I also love the part where she's, she's dancing to the dog. Yes. Number one, I love when she's dancing in those yellow tights with the Mm -hmm. dog. And that's actually the scene. And I love when her sister gets earrings. You know, her sister gets a delivery of a gift and her ass just sits down. She starts opening it. Yeah. Something for you. (laughs) Any chance I could open it? Yeah. I don't have a sister, thank God, because that's the shit I would have hated. But I do love that that. moment. Yeah. But that whole scene with her as well, after after the failed engagement announcement and she's outside on the swing and she's talking to Akeem, it's so sweet between the two of them and so genuine and you can see a genuine spark and it's not pushed over the top. It's not like she just flips a switch and all of a sudden is in love with Akeem. She, something, she is suddenly interested in him and she hears him. And when he calls her Lisa McDowell, she's like, thank you for that respect. And that takes us to our next question. Our next What's our next question? Um, is Coming to America just a really good romance movie? It's a solid rom-com. It's, it's a solid it's rom-com. It's a solid rom-com. They did it. They did the thing. They made us They made us want the girl and the guy to get together. Well, and, and not only that, there was like Eddie Murphy, and, and mind you, it could be because of, you know, my own romantic troubles, but there's a part, a couple things that he said to her, and I was like, what was it? Oh, actually, it was something she said to him. She says to him, there's something about you, right? It's almost regal. You've got mm-hmm. an inner glow. But then she says something. It just seems like you're above anything that's petty. Petty, yeah. And 
you know, and like, and you put your heart into everything you do. And I was like, right. it's more than just the fact that he's attractive. She's attracted to qualities about him. Yeah. And it's not, it's, it's just, it's really amazing. Like the, the romance of it kind of, you know, and, and also, Ooh, the romance begins. How do they meet and where do they meet? They meet at a black awareness rally. Oh my God. The black awareness rally is possibly my yeah, can we just talk scene. about this scene? We have got to talk about the Black Awareness Rally yeah, let's because... Just talk, let's just talk about that. We are going to be talking about the romance, but let's just stop for a second and ex- talk about... One of, the greatest, one of the greatest scenes ever. One of the greatest scenes ever, which of course follows like a hilarious... The whole hilarious thing of when he goes out and tries to meet his queen for the first night and just encounters... Oh, oh, every problematic possible Tinder date ever, right? Every possible problematic Tinder date that exists. I have a secret. I worship the devil. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think this is a moment where I could have been like, all right, here's a moment that might be problematic. Like, it's going to be these stereotypes of women and and really putting them down. But it wasn't. It was just pure comedy. And it wasn't about them being black. And it wasn't about them being women. It was just about a bunch of weirdos. You know what I mean? Like, 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 he comes in with saying... Like, is it just me or does every woman in New York have an emotional disturbance? It's, it's, he, rec- he recognizes that this is like, this is different. These, these women are a little bit different and that that was strange, but obviously it's not all women we're going to talk about. And that's when he sees his own version of himself, Mr. <laughs> Clarence, the barber, and asks him, you know, where, where does one go to meet nice women? And he tells him about the Black Awareness Rally. That's where I'm going, shit. And so he decides to go there. Let's, let's go see what this is all about. The Black Awareness Rally, possibly one of the most over-the-top but authentic comedic scenes ever committed to film. So I have been to these things. I have I have been to these things. I have seen these things. First of all, we've got all these girls up on stage in their bikinis with the skeevy, skeevy reverend talking about basically God-sanctioned objectification of women. Lara Flint can take the picture. Hugh Hefner can take the picture. But only God can make it like this. And when I see this, I know that God exists. I know this. I have, I have been to this sermon. I have seen this skeeviness. And it's all real. All fucking real. To the point where it's just like, it's not even offensive that these girls haven't said a word. And they're just up there in their bikinis like this. Because why? Because we know these pageants exist. Period. Period. They exist. And then, of course... We get to see Randy Watson. Randy Watson, who you might know, who you might know from the "What's Going Down" episode of "What's What's Happening, Mama." Was that was was that what the that's name my, of the show that's is? That's my mama. That's my mama. The "What's Going Down" episode of "That's My Mama." Who, who played like right. Johnny Johnny Policeman? On Johnny <laughs> Policeman. Okay. <laughs> I mean. The What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama, and he wants to sing to us today with his band who plays so fine, Sexual Chocolate. And, and the audience is just like... They are not having it. And that is like such a... That's an authentic Black audience where they're just like, we're here for the Reverend. Talk to us about what God can do. But now we know that this clown is a clown and we just we just really want this part to be over and except they just for don't. the one guy from the barbershop the one guy who loves him the one who, oh he's good he's good can sing that boy can sing that boy. i believe the children are the future 
You're going lead to die. Well. Let them lead the way. <laughs> Show yeah. them all the beauty that possess inside. Give them a sense of pride. <laughs> I mean, come on now. It's just like, it's, t- it's so perfect that we can't just keep doing this because we'll just reenact the entire scene. Okay, but can I say... When he sings the bridge, I remember long ago, never twerk, they didn't want to shout it. Right, and he does that, and yes. he's shaking his booty, and he's feeling it deep, and, he, and Eddie Murphy is just slightly moving. Oh, we didn't even mention, it's Eddie Murphy. Of course, yes, of course, it's, it's Eddie Murphy, again, in amazing makeup. Jerry amazing Curl. Makeup. Oh, my God. With just a little bit of a mustache. And the most bit. ridiculous paunch-ass belly poking out of that poking out of that pot just, of blues. Yeah, I mean, we can't, we can't go through it bit by bit, but I just have to say. And of course, the Reverend is Arsenio Hall. Wait, the Reverend yeah, is Arsenio yeah, yeah. Hall. Yeah, yeah, Well, that's the thing. You know why? The, the thing that makes it, like, it's genius. And what makes it even, elevates it even more is that all of, like, the characters, except for the Jewish man, but all of the other characters are in this scene, um, or most of the characters. So all the barbershop guys are there. And then we've got the Reverend that's right. there. And then A.D. Murphy is there. We also forgot to mention that one of the women that he meets is Arsenio Hall. Is right? Arsenio Hall, yes. And Eddie Murphy, you can see him trying to stop laughing. Trying, you yes. can just see his face going. I hope you don't mind. I sat down, but I've been I've been watching you all night, and I just want to tear you up. And Eddie and Murphy is just like oh. you can see it in his face. It's hilarious. But it's hilarious. But, but my favorite, my favorite Mike, part oh, of Randy Watson at the end of it. Section chocolate. And then it's and then he stomps his feet. Section chocolate. And then he puts the fingers up. He points, turns his palms, all his fingers in the other direction, and walks off that way. If I ever meet a man that does that, I will drop to my knees and beg him to marry me. That is, and, and in fact, I think I intend now, the next time I ever get to be in a room of people, when I get to leave, that. That's how I'm leaving. Correct. <laughs> oh, and girl, leave. I hope you do. Oh, my. I'm going to. I'm going to. In you fact, know, I'm going to end all my classes on Zoom that way. Bye, y'all. You have to. You have to. That's it. That's it. That's how they're all, that's all, how they're all going to go down. Every single fucking one of them. But yes, what's amazing is that, again, if this had just been John Landis and, you know, some white writers decide to put this scene together, it would be racist as fuck because they would have missed all those little nuanced bits that made it so totally authentic. Oh, so like, totally authentic, on the nose, perfection. Just to add one more bit, like they, they pass around collection baskets, right? To get money. And when they pass it through the barbershop uh, guys, they give it to Arsenio Hall's character and he throws his trash in it. And he's like, a donation. He's like, I thought it was the trash. Like, it's perfect. It's just little tiny second moments that are just, they blow it out of the water and just break you up inside with how funny they are. It's a perfect scene. He meets her. So going back in the romance of the film, like he meets her there um, at Black Awareness Rally. It's a slow burn. The only thing that's crazy is maybe at the very end they they tie it up really quick but other than that they have that great subway scene where they have a conversation uh, you know and that that's like it warmed my heart i thought i was very drama by it and i loved it was great it was loved how shitty stakes yeah the fucking 
subways looked in the 80s like they in in new york super extra gross oh my god super extra gross and nasty nasty. yeah and and also too it was really cool though but that 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 her boyfriend right he also came from a well-to-do family you know what i mean like this this so this is the other thing so we go from zamunda we go from zamunda which is like a og wakanda and we come to the united states because this is important too we come to the united states where again we do not touch on racism we do not touch on any kind of on any kind of race issues whatsoever. They get picked up by a white cab driver who calls him a dumb fuck because he stands in front of the cab because you're a dumb fuck if you stand in front of a cab, right? But he doesn't call him a dumb N-word and we don't have to go there. And when they show up in Queens and there's a whole bunch of broke ass people on the street, they are people of all colors. When we go to the barbershop, there's one older Jewish man, again, played by Eddie Murphy, but they're all friends and they all hanging out. When we go to the club and we meet this, like this, this, you know, uh, this carousel of, of, of crazy women, as they're walking through, there's people of all colors, including white people on the dance floor and no one's making fun of the white people dancing. It's just people who live here. If anything that we, if anything that they touch on, in this film that speaks to, you know, one of the lesser parts of, of American political society, American society in general, it's classism, but it's dealt with within that system, just within that microcosm of these two families and the idea that Akeem is an, a, a poor goat herder and her father clearly is concerned with class and income, right? But you know what? So, but even him, he's, it's, he's concerned with those things, not because he's shallow he's concerned with those things because he doesn't want his daughter to struggle the way he had to struggle right and he wins your heart because the second the king says something bad about lisa he's like he's having none yeah he is having i'll break my foot off in your royal ass i love that part i it just made my heart swoon you just go i mean that's the thing this movie it doesn't no one except oh i guess i guess um uh, what's his name? Daryl. Is Daryl? Is that what Eric Lasalle? Yeah, that's his name. His name is Daryl. Because that's a. Because I mean, even though we we know a Daryl that we love, Daryl is a great name for a skeevy dude. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah, and like again, it, but we have to mention, of course, he comes from a well-off family that is well-off. Why? Because they invented so glow Jerry Curl juice. <laughs> and one of my favorite parts in that engagement scene yeah. <laughs> is when the family gets up for the engagement announcement and there are three jerry curl prints on the fucking sofa amazing it's amazing just milk the fuck out of that joke so good so good so so amazing oh God, i have a feeling that this whole thing is just going to be me laughing a lot like laughing at jokes that i'm remembering but yeah, there's just so many things that are just like so perfectly quintessential 80s, like their outfit when they dress up like typical New Yorkers, like that Garfield suction cup cat in the window of her office. <laughs> there's so much, oh my God, his glasses when he drives up to pick her up the first time. If I ever, if, if there's ever a pair of sunglasses that I really want in my life, it's his. Um, there's so much stuff that's so perfectly quintessential 80s, but the whole perspective and attitude on it is so post racial america if post-racial america doesn't exist I'm with you. but, I'm with but you. the I... ideal of post-racial america and the ideal of post me too movement it's just so progressive in its thinking well, while being so typically about... 80s it's amazing amazing you and i talked about this i mean you know eddie murphy's films before this you know and what he's known for was you know 48 hours which was his black criminal offset to like a white cop 
And then again, right. Beverly Hills Cop, which is his black character in, in this sea of, you know, Beverly Hills white cops. And then what was the other one that we mentioned? There's one more. Oh, Trading Places. Trading Places, which of course, you know, we don't even need to get into it. You know, of course, the, the whole experiment of, of that which yeah. are all three brilliant films. Which, of course, Eddie we Murphy will be doing it. as our Christmas And we movie. will be doing it. Yes, we will be doing Trading Places, which I love. Especially since, of course, of course, fucking, there's the amazing little reference and callback to Trading Places yeah, where we get to see Randolph and Mortimer <laughs> as a reference to Trading Places. And they're back, and then they come back and thank him and tell them that they should do lunch. So good. It's so good. It's so classic. But the point I was going to say is that, you know, Eddie Murphy was in all these movies and it was all about him being offset to, to white people, basically. And this movie, it's not about him being offset to white people, but it's, but yeah, there's no, not one racist joke. There's not one moment where they, they make fun. Like they do have a white character with, um, they actually, there are a few white there's characters in the film. There's a handful three. of them. But well, one of them is played by Eddie Murphy. There's there's Louis Anderson, and then there's the cab driver, right? Is there are no, there any there's a, a, you know when he goes to um oh God, what is it called? He he goes to a Western Union to get money. There's oh, like, she's the, fantastic! She's I funny. loved her. And then she's there's the such woman a great, at the a great little bit part. Yeah, she's a great bit part. And then at the when they're on the subway, there's why don't you the, just the ask for a cool million? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then on the subway, there's you know, go ahead, honey. You know, oh, she's another brilliant character actress. Yeah. 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 But that's, it's just people. It's just, they, movie people. It's just people. And it's not, none of those are about the fact that they're white. Like very easily, you know, the cab driver could have been black very easily. Um, I don't know the woman's name, but the Western Union. Yeah. You know, she could have been white. Like, like Louis Anderson is a dope, but he's not a dope because he's white. He's a dope because he's, you know, like first I'm doing lettuce. Then I'm going to be on fries. fries. And then assistant manager. Yeah. That's where the big dough rolls in. Like, he's just... He's just he's being... Just, he's a dopey yeah. guy. It's not yeah. has nothing to do with it. And they never won't go for those jokes. And it doesn't feel like they're not going to it to play it safe. It feels like they're not going to it because why... You know, they're above anything petty. <gasps> there you go. The whole film is above anything petty. Absolutely. Like, I almost feel like this episode is going to be the Black History Months of episodes. Like, it's going to be the shortest one because all we can keep saying is how brilliant it is. There is no need to go, like you said, play by play by play. There is only a need to go this brilliant moment, this brilliant moment. This film is brilliant because of this. This film is brilliant because of that. Because y'all should go, if you haven't seen it, there's no chance. If you're, if you're listening to this, there's probably little chance that you haven't seen Coming to America, but you better get your ass out and watch Coming to America because guess what? It's on Comedy Central like five times a month at least. There's no chance that you can't find Coming to America playing anywhere and it is worth every penny of $3.99 on Amazon Prime Video if you, if you can't. If you don't have go to see it again, watch actually, it. Watch even it. if you've seen it, go see yeah. it again. Watch it again through this lens, please. Because you're going to notice that it's, it's not only funny as hell, but it's, it's a good feeling movie about that, that's relevant to the world, how it should be. Oh yeah. And at the, at the McDowell's party, there's white people at the party yes, and there's there no, are. there's no glad handing or weirdness. They're just white people that happen to be at the party. It's just people in a movie. And it's fucking amazing. That's pretty good, Sash. 
I don't know. Black, if there's Black History Month of reviews. Do we have anything else to say? For real. Because like we what could. Do, we could what else do we have to say? I mean, well, I, I of course had one real weird moment about food because you know I always have a moment about food when <laughs> okay. he's walking them through the restaurant and he's explaining how the whole place works and then he's like, no, I got it. He flips the burgers, but he touches them with his hand. And I don't <laughs> like it. I don't remember that. Okay, we, 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 let's see. We talked about the sheer talent of Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall through the whole film. We've talked about the fashion in the 80s and the, okay, we haven't really talked about Lisa and, and Patrice's earrings enough, in my opinion, but This is now, true. This is true. Her, um, Patrice's earlobes deserved credit in, <laughs> in, the, in the end credits. When she goes to see Akeem, and um, realizes that like something is amiss. There's no reason why these guys that are, you know, mopping floors at McDowell's should have all this fancy furniture. And she gets it on with Arsenio Hall a little bit. They make out. She's wearing some earrings that literally look like every piece, every satellite and piece of space junk has sailed its way. Somehow it's found a gravitational pull towards her head and they're just dangling there. How are her earlobes supporting all of that weight? They're amazing. Lisa does it too. They're, I think at the party when she's- Also you know, the scrunchies. The scrunchies were enormous. But, but those earrings, they're like, and, and what are they? It's like they just throw, it's like extra large confetti, just all thrown in with glitter. Like, like I don't even know what they're made out of. They're like these, they're horrible and wonderful at the same time. It's one of those things only black girls can get away with certain things like those earrings. Like I could never wear those earrings ever in my life, but they actually do get away with it. They look good. They look super good. No. And, and I, and I love the, the, the strange monochromatic choices. They still worked for me. I, I, I yeah, noticed yeah. it for the first time this watch, but I was like, I, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm feeling it. But those scrunchies though, I don't remember scrunchies being that big. I do remember that there is one scene when oh, when Lisa and Akeem go to the museum, which is hilarious because uh -huh. they're they're going through the museum and then and then she says, "Ooh, this mask is from um, Zamunda," and then there's a picture of him on the wall <laughs> with his family. <laughs> but um, her hair in that scene, like she's got this like crawl over, like she's it's oh her all hair is fantastic throughout the entire film. Yeah. She, she's like, she's definitely beautiful. She, I recently saw her in something and it wasn't too new. It was maybe five years old. What was it? It was a TV. Uh, it was a TV show. Is it? Oh, it was an episode of Veronica Mars. So maybe it's about 10 years old, but she was in, in one episode of it and she looks exactly the same. Cause black don't crack, black baby. Don't crack. That's what black it do. Now, there is one more thing, one more dress that needs to be addressed, if you will. After all is said and done, after Lisa says no on the subway, she just can't because she's been lied to. And, you know, she just, she's just feeling ways about the fact that she fell in love with a guy because she thought he was one thing and it turns out he's another. And even though there were reasons, it's just, it's not okay with her, right? It's just Back, too, too much. It's too much. It's just too much. It's too much. And, and understandably so. Understandably so, right? So back to Zamunda, Akeem goes and he's got to marry the other woman that he doesn't want to marry. And we're oh, I know all you're set up. We're, we're all set up for the wedding, right? And there he is and his queen to be is about to walk down the aisle to him. Now, we have been celebrating Africa, celebrating blackness 
all up and down that ivory motherfucking coast. Like all of Africa has been in this room. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's dripping in prints and wraps and folds. And I would have thought that his queen to be would have worn the most amazing African white tulip shaped dress with the most incredible white headdress. And what do they put his bride in? The most fucked up quinceanera dress you could ever possibly imagine in a fever dream. I've never seen anything like this. It was so nasty. This pink bubblegum convection covered in glitter and sparkles with the most disgusting fluffy train. And then of course we get excited when we discover that in this cotton candy confection, of course, is Lisa. So love reigns and love wins. But what the fuck did they do to our girl? Why did they put her in that dress? It's horrific. I for, You know what? Thank you for reminding me. The pink dress at the end is fucking awful. It's ginormous. It's like a ginormous. You know what the cultural cross is? It's quinceanera and gypsy caravan wedding. <laughs> oh my God. It's horrible. It's horrible. You're right. You're right. And also, you know, like... All the, for some reason at the end, I mean, we know why, because they wanted it to look good, but everyone is not in um, like bright colors anymore. Everyone's in pastels to kind of match mm -hmm. the scene. Mm -hmm. So they do kind of uh, Hollywood fied the end, mm -hmm. um, which happens like in a snap too. It's like, we've got the subway scene, then we've got five seconds when they're leaving um, the world of, world of, Waldorf Astoria. Why can't I say my words um, when they leave <laughs> that um, fancy hotel in New York City? And then, and the next thing you know, it's his wedding and then it's over. You know what I mean? It goes very fast after that um, scene. We, we also forgot to mention the part where uh, the little old lady comes off the subway and he oh. says, if you're really a prince, I'll marry you. And then he, he gives the her the earrings. And then. Um, but but that's like, I don't know who did it. I don't know if it was Eddie Murphy or it was John Landis or whoever it was, but that, like that moment and the two little girls, it's like, why are those moments in these movies? And it's so perfect. Like, it's so sweet. And so, so sweet. And you know, I, I think we're, we're basically kind of wrapping it up here. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention that when we, when we were discussing what movie to do next, post- post-election insanity. We wanted to do something political, but not too political. We wanted to do something that was going to be farcical and speak to the culture of America. And we, we thought we were going to find something else. We thought we were going to find all of the other things, something closer to the feeling that we had in, um, in listening to Dave Chappelle's opening monologue on SNL. And I am so pleasantly surprised at what we found instead. Yes. I'm so relieved at a picture of America and a world that we want and that we dream of being our reality where people can just be people and it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It matters the content of your character. And we can all let our soul glow. <laughs> Baby, let it shine through. And I saw silky, silky smooth. Oh, I love it. That's probably going to be our end. So glow. Sasha keeps on going. <laughs> Keep on going, Sasha. I was in the moment. 
I thought you were done. I was letting my soul glow. Why don't you sing the whole thing again? I think it's perfect like it is. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all done. So, Sasha, do you have any five, like three funniest moments or just three things about it that maybe we haven't spoken about but that you want to bring up? This. There's a young man, he's in, he's, in the, he's in the restaurant. He's a restaurant, he's, he's having a bowl of soup and he calls the waiter over and he says, excuse me, waiter, taste the soup. <laughs> you taste the soup. What, what, is there something wrong with the soup? Nothing's wrong with it, just taste the soup. Taste the soup, taste the soup, I can't taste the soup. Okay, I'll taste the soup, where's the spoon? Aha. 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 That shit's funny, every single time. Like I said, it, it's like the foundation of my funny and you know, more to the point, everything that you said and more about, like, we really were, we were, we, you know, the, the line that homeboy said, David Chappelle said, that kind of thought that I thought that this movie would be great was the fact that a black man can't tell a, can't tell the truth without making a punchline at the end. Mm -hmm. And that really hit me hard because I love black comedians and Eddie Murphy is one of them that I love a lot. And I feel like, oh my God, has his whole career had to be that, you know, has it had to be that and how sad that would have been. But it was just so refreshing to see, no, it didn't have to be that. Like he transcended needing to do that. And this film is a test to it. He just made a lovely film that's funny as hell, but, but, and sweet. And, you know, I dare say important. That's what I'm going to say. Everyone needs to watch this movie. Rewatch this movie tomorrow. And I would just watch this movie. I don't know what the fuck is on the plane. I will yeah. watch this movie. Yeah, fuck I it. it. Yeah, I'm going to watch it a whole bunch of times on the plane on a transatlantic flight to come to visit you. If I had a choice between coming to America, anything with Liam Neeson, or come up with one La Bomba. La <laughs> Fuck La Bamba. Why would you watch a plane crash movie? <laughs> I just thought the first thing that popped into my head. Fuck, but yeah, fuck La Bamba. We're watching Coming to America over and over and over again. Can I say this? If it was between Stand By Me, Princess Bride, and Coming to America, oh. I'd be watching Coming to America. That's oh, what I'm going to say. you just unloaded the big guns. I'm the big guns. You know you. what? You're absolutely right. On a transatlantic flight, if the choice was coming to America, the Princess Bride, or the Goonies, was it? I would be starting with coming to America, then yeah. going to the Princess Bride, and I would just bounce back and forth between the two, and I'd probably end it with Goonies. Probably. Oh. To be loved. To be to loved. loved. Oh! What a feeling. To be loved. Shut the fuck up. Thank you all so much for listening to our latest episode of Eating After Midnight. If you liked what you heard, please head over to iTunes or whatever you listen to your podcasts on and leave us a review. We don't have a website yet, but you can follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast and send us a DM with any comments, 
questions, complaints, or requests for future reviews. We'd love to hear from you. And until then, people, please let your soul glow. Let it be as silky, silky smooth as you want it to be and let it shine through. It's a new world. It's a new day. Thank you and good night. Finger pointing, finger directing, walking away. Yeah. <laughs>